As in each session, I want to make sure I give credit to Dr. David Jeremiah in his book, The Agents of the Apocalypse. If you have, uh, this is going to be number six. We've talked about the church, the martyrs, the 144,000, the two witnesses. Last week was the dragon. Tonight will be the beast that comes from the sea. How scary is that thought? That's a horror movie in itself. Dragons and beasts. If the dragon is Satan, who is the beast? He is the Antichrist. Now, I'm going to tell you up front, y'all better buckle your seatbelts, because here we go. It gets a little deep. That's why I give you the most extensive outline that I know how to give. Uh, the beast is the Antichrist. He is referred to as the beast that came out of the sea. Dr. David Jeremiah in his book writes this about the Antichrist, the beast from the sea. While there are more than 100 passages of Scripture that describe him, who? The Antichrist. The title Antichrist is mentioned in only five verses in the New Testament. Each time, all five of them are by the Apostle John. All five of them are on this paper. So you can see all five applications of when John calls him by name the Antichrist. You won't find it any, that name you won't find anywhere else in the Scripture. You'll find the Antichrist, but he's got different names. The Antichrist, by his very name, opposes the work of Christ. Why else do you think they call him anti? Because he's in opposition to Christ. John describes two things, and here's where you're going to have to pay close attention. John describes two things. The spirit of Antichrist working, ag working against the spirit of Christ. As the church age begins, the spirit of Antichrist is working against the spirit of Christ himself. And there's only two spirits, right? There's the Holy Spirit and there's the unholy spirit. So if the, uh, who's the unholy spirit? The spirit of Antichrist. This is a picture of the spiritual war. The battle that nobody in this room, including me, can understand. It's raging in the heavenly realms between God and the dragon. Why doesn't God just kill him? I don't know. But it's a war that's raging. So let's jump into 1 John chapter 2. Dear children, the last hour is here. Why does he say that? And you can look at multiple translations. You're going to get the same thing. Dear children, so who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. The last hour is here. Now I'm going to tell you, I believe that reference specifically is to the church age. Describing the last chapter of of mankind before the tribulation. Dear children, the last hour is here. It's not coming, it's here. It began on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, when Jesus came to the earth in the form of the Holy Spirit. The last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Notice that K 
capital A and its future tense. Now, John's writing this in the church age. And he says, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such little a Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. What? what? There's little a Antichrist at work. But there's a big A Antichrist coming. These people who, the people who were deceived by the spirit of Antichrist, these people left our churches. But they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, it proved that they did not belong with us. What is us? The church. What is the church? People filled with the Holy Spirit. What if you don't have the Holy Spirit? There's only one more spirit that you get to choose from. You can't divide this thing. Verse, verse 20. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you His Spirit. And all of you know the truth. How, how did you know the truth? Because the Spirit reveals the truth. And because you've got the Holy Spirit for the first time in your life, you can know the truth. Now everybody listen. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you won't be enabled to know the truth. And you will be able to be deceived by the Spirit of Antichrist. Stay with me. Verse 21. So I am writing to you not because you don't know the truth. He's writing to believers. But because you know the difference between truth and lies. Who's he? Dear children. That's who he's writing. He's talking about people who have the Holy Spirit. And because you have the Holy Spirit, you can tell the difference between the truth and a lie. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, deception is coming to you. You're already deceived. And who is a liar? Here we go. Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ is a liar. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. Now, now pause there. Anyone who denies the Son can't get to the Father. So if you're one of these people who say you believe in God, but you reject Jesus, you don't know either one of them. And you won't have access to either one of them. Now I'm going to get specific. What about Islam? Islam says that they worship the God of Abraham. But they refuse to accept Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, thinking that they can jump over Jesus and find God. The spirit of Antichrist has deceived them. You can't get to God the Father without God the Son. Listen again. Let me go back to 22. Who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. I can tell you right now. Listen, I've studied Islam enough to tell you they will not acknowledge Jesus as the Jewish Messiah. They will not. Uh, the Son of God. No, they will not. Islam will not. They're deceived. 
Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So how do you get to the Father? You got to have the Son. This is the spiritual battle of the church age. And I want to say again, the church age, the last hour has come. I didn't say that. He did. The last days, it's called. The last hour, it's called. You can't have a last hour and the last days unless there's the last, unless there's an end. It's an end. It's coming. There's an end that's coming. The spirit of Antichrist will proclaim two things. Did you notice? Number one, Jesus is not the Christ. And number two, denies the Father and the Son. Now, I've given you um, a couple, now three, of the five applications of the word antichrist. Let's go to another one. 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Notice the capital S Spirit. He, he's talking about believers. Don't believe everyone who claims to be a Christian. You must test them to see if the Spirit, there's that little s, you must test this Christian who says he's operating under the Spirit, you must test to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. Well, if it's not coming from God, where's it coming from? The Spirit of Antichrist. For there are many false prophets in the world. False prophets of whom? The Antichrist. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. How? Here we go. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Let's stop there. What does that mean? The incarnation. God came in the flesh. Now, if you're in the room today and in, down deep in your heart you struggle or even would possibly in your own heart deny that God became a man. You're going down a bad road. God became a man. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Right? That's what John, first chapter, says. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God became a man. So, let me read it again. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. So what does that tell you the Antichrist is going to try? To, how's he going to deceive people? Jesus isn't really God. He's just an angel. He got a promotion. Jehovah Witnesses. That's what they proclaim. He's a promoted angel. It's a lie. It's the spirit of Antichrist. He is not a promoted angel. He is God in the flesh. God, Jesus Christ, came in a real body. Now go to verse 3. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has what? The Holy Spirit? Uh-uh. He has the spirit of the Antichrist which you've heard is coming into the world, and here we go, here we go, indeed is already here. The spirit of Antichrist, John says, is already here. 
since the day of Pentecost, the spirit of Antichrist, since the time of Jesus on the earth, the spirit, the opposing power of Christ is on the earth, secretly, covertly deceiving people. Now, one more. 2 John chapter 1. I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. Anybody see a common thread here? They're all deceivers. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is the deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching, what teaching? What teaching? Is Jesus God, let me put it another way, is Jesus God with skin on him? He, Jesus came in a real body. A real body. It's not a spirit. He came in a human body. God came to the earth in a human body. He became a man. Now, watch out. Verse 8. He's talking to church people. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you'll receive your full reward. Why? Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teachings of Christ has a relationship with both the Father and the Son. Now I want you to bear in mind that John probably wrote these references to the Antichrist before, before he wrote the Revelation. We can't be sure about that. The New Living Translation <coughs> uses, <coughs> uses an upper case A for Antichrist to announce his coming. And I want you to know that that denotes a person. But the lowercase a Antichrist has been here for a while. The uppercase a, that person's coming. <coughs> he's not here yet, but he's coming. The lowercase a is not a reference to a person, but the spirit of Antichrist, and it's here already. Let me repeat verse 18. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist, notice the capital A, that's the person, is coming. He's not here yet. <clears throat> he's a person, he's coming, but he's not here yet. And already many such lowercase Antichrist have appeared. Well, they are here. From this we know the last hour has come. The last hour, well, let me tell you, it's the last showdown, the last battle. The Antichrist is coming and he is a he. He is a man. He is a beast. David Jeremiah describes him as the most despicable man that has ever walked on the earth. John calls him the Antichrist, but the prophet Daniel gives him several names. I counted six. The little horn, a fierce king, and master of intrigue, the prince, the ruler who is to come, the one who causes desolation, a king that does as he pleases. All of these are names that Daniel associates with what John calls the Antichrist. Let me take time to show you that last one from Daniel. Daniel chapter 11, the king will do as he pleases. 
exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods, he will succeed. <clears throat> Here's a message. He will succeed how long? Until the time of wrath is completed. So if you want to wonder whether or not the Antichrist is going to show up during the tribulation, Daniel says it too. He will succeed until the time of wrath, the tribulation, is completed. For what has been determined will surely take place. It's been prophesied. It's going to happen. No one's going to stop the Antichrist from coming. He's coming. You just don't know when. Paul calls him the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, or the lawless one, depending upon English translations. He will be a man. And I want everybody to focus on that thought for a moment. If Jesus was God in the flesh, the Antichrist will have a similar attention. Who in the flesh if jesus the christ is god with skin on him god becomes a man then who's the antichrist satan will become a man do you doubt that i'm going to show you clearly what it say he will be a man listen he will be a ruler he will be a king and he will have a name, even though we don't know that name yet. And can I say that the true church may not know his name while we remain on the earth? Now, I think I confused some people a couple weeks ago with this one, so I'm going to be careful with that tonight. Second Thessalonians 2.5. Somebody came and asked me, why do you say specifically that the true church will not know the name of the Antichrist? Because of what I'm about to read to you, I believe the true church is the reference of that which is holding back the Antichrist, and the Antichrist will not come until that which is holding him back steps out of the way, and I believe that which is holding him back is the church, and the church stepping out of the way is the rapture of the church, and in the vacuum of the church, the Antichrist rises to power. Now, with that said, let me read it. Second Thessalonians. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what's holding him. Notice him. It's a person. He's a man. You know what's holding him back. For he, a person, can be revealed only when he, his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, right? That's what John said. The spirit of Antichrist is already at work secretly, right? Even though the Antichrist isn't here, the lawlessness of the spirit of Antichrist is already on the earth. He says, for this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it'll remain secret until the one, here he is, now here, here is the church first, until the one that is holding it back steps out of the way. What's holding back this lawless man that's coming? I believe that's the church. And then notice, at least in the New Living Translation, what's the next word? Then. That means next. 
then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the splendor of his coming. If the church is the restrainer of evil, if the church is the light of the world holding back the darkness, what do you think is going to happen when the church leaves? Darkness is coming. Do you want to meet him? <laughs> I don't want to. Do you want to know his name? I've had no, you know how many people over the last 10 years have asked me, do you think so-and-so's the Antichrist? I get an email. Somebody says, do you think, and I know I'm not telling you who they say the question is. I will privately maybe. But, <clears throat> but they say, do you think he's the Antichrist? And some of them I say, no, but I believe he's his cousin. <laughs> or I can remember one time I said, no, I don't think he's the Antichrist. I think he's the John the Baptist of the Antichrist. He's preparing a way for him. You know why I don't want to know his name? Because I already have a king. I'm not looking for another one. He will likely come out of Europe. And if you want to understand what Europe means, it is just the former Roman Empire. Study world history. And he will likely come out of Europe based upon this scripture. Actually, I could give you several. I don't have time to do that tonight. But let me just give you one. Because a lot of people say, why do you think he's of European ancestry? Well, there are several specific announcements that the Antichrist will come from those who crucified Christ. Those who were responsible for Christ's death. Well, let me just read one, Nine, uh, Daniel 9.26. <clears throat> By the way, wow, is there a lot in that one verse? We could talk three sessions on that verse. Verse 26 says, after the period of 62 sets of seven, <laughs> and no, I'm not going into that tonight. After a period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one, well, who would you guess that is? That'd be Jesus, will be killed. Well, that was the cross appearing to have accomplished nothing. They thought, well, he's dead. What good did that do? And a ruler will arise whose army will destroy the city and the temple. Anybody study world history, Bible history? The end will come with the flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Again, there's the last hour again described. After Jesus, the anointed one, was crucified, who destroyed Jerusalem and who destroyed the temple? Because that's prophecy in Daniel that it's going to happen. Who did it? The Romans under Emperor Titus did both in 70 A.D. Thus many believe the Antichrist will come out of Europe or come from European descent, a European Gentile. But don't look at geography because, quite frankly, if I look across this room tonight, almost all of us are from European descent. And he will come in power. Listen, he will come in power and he will come in the last days, which I believe to be a description of the seven-year great tribulation. Daniel chapter 8. 
at the end of their rule. <clears throat> now, if you go to Jan Daniel chapter 8, whose rule is he talking about? Listen carefully. He is referring to the Gentile kingdoms of men. Stay with me. At the end of their rule, at the end of the rule of the Gentile kingdoms of men, when their sin is at its height, by the way, y'all think things are going to get better between now and the rapture? You think they're going to get worse? They're going to get worse. When sin is at its height, a fierce king, here he comes. I'm going to start all over. At the end of the Gentile kingdom's rule, when their sin, Gentile sin, is at its height, a fierce king, a master of intrigue, will rise to power. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. Who, whose power is going to make this man strong? He will cause a shocking amount of destruction and succeed. Listen, in everything he does, he's going to make it it'll work. He will destroy powerful leaders. Anybody who opposes him, he will run over them. And he will devastate. Here we go. You want the telltale sign? And he will devastate my holy people. Who are they? Who's the holy people? The Jews. During the tribulation, he will devastate them. Why? The beast hates the Jews. He will devastate the Jewish people. Why? Why? Jesus is Jewish. Let's pause and reflect for a moment. The church is the restrainer of evil on the earth because the church is the body of Christ, the spirit of Christ, and the light of the world in these last days, the last hours. The church is holding back the power of Satan that will inhabit a man known as the Antichrist. But when the church is caught up to be with the Lord, a spiritual vacuum will be filled with darkness and the revealing of the Antichrist. He will be very handsome. He will be boastful. He'll be very smart. He will be a master of intrigue. The things that the world finds impressive and the world will follow him into the darkness. Why? 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 Because there will be nothing to restrain his evil. In fact, the only restraining force of evil on the earth during the tribulation is what? If you've been here, you should know. The 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And secondly, the two witnesses. And thirdly, the Bible. That'll be the only restrainer of evil. Daniel 7, verse 20. I also ask about the ten horns on the fourth beast's head and the little horn that came up afterward and destroyed the three, destroyed three of the other horns. This horn seemed, had seemed greater than the others and it had human eyes and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. He won't come to power by force. He won't need to but by intrigue as he works under the power of Satan. And let me add a word to that intrigue. Deception. That's how he's doing it now. In the midst of the church age, how much greater will his power be when the light of the world is turned off? 
Daniel 8, 25. He will be a master of what? Deception. And will become arrogant. He will destroy many without warning. When is this taking place? During the tribulation. He will even take on the prince of princes in battle, but he will be broken, though not by human power. Who can stop him? Only one. Oh, oh, but one's going to stop him. I don't want to get ahead of myself. It's close, but I'm not going to. Daniel eleven twenty one. The next to come to power will be a despicable man who is not in line for royal succession. He will slip in when least expected and take over the kingdom by what? By armies? No, by flattery and intrigue. He, the beast, is the Antichrist, and he is godless. Notice the word, godless. Of course he is. He is inhabited by Satan. Revelation 13, 6. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple, that is, those who live in heaven. He is a man whose arrogance has developed he believes he is God. He's not just trying to trick people. He even believes he is God. So he slanders God of heaven. He slanders God's temple in heaven. He slanders God's people in heaven. He slanders everything of God. What? Thinking that I am greater than you. This is the final showdown. The beast is so arrogant and so God-hating that he will not allow worship of any other gods except himself. During the tribulation, do you think it'll be multiculturalism? You'd be wrong. Daniel eleven twenty seven thirty seven. He will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors, or for the god loved by women, or for any other god, for he will boast that he is greater than them all. In his arrogance, he will allow the Jews to rebuild the Jerusalem temple. Now, here's where we're getting interesting. In his arrogance, in his attempt to take control of the Jewish people and deceive them and manipulate them and bring them to their destruction, he will allow them to rebuild the Jerusalem temple so that he may use it as his own throne to announce that he alone is God. Now, you've got to get this before we go on. He's going to be a man. He's going to have a physical body. And because he's a man with a physical body, he wants a physical throne in a physical place. And where do you think that's going to be? In Jerusalem. Because there is supposed to be a throne in Jerusalem. It's referred to as the throne of David. But David knew that he wasn't going to ever get to keep that throne. He was only the one who was going to make a way for the one who would sit on that throne. Satan wants that throne. But Satan is a spirit being. And he needs a man's body to sit on that physical throne. He's the Antichrist. 
in his arrogance, <clears throat> in his arrogance, he's got a plan. He's going to make a deal with the Jewish people to rebuild the Jerusalem temple and carve out the most holy place so it becomes the, the throne of God so he can go in there and claim it for himself. Daniel 9.27. Where are you getting that, Terry? Well, I'll show you. Daniel 9.27. The ruler, I believe that's a reference to the beast, the Antichrist, he will make a treaty with the people. I believe that's a reference to Israel during the tribulation. Why do I think it's during the tribulation? Well, let's keep reading. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. I believe that's seven years. But after half this time, three and a half years, or 1,290 days, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Now, I'm going to tell you, you cannot put an end to sacrifices and offerings that have not begun. And the Jews will never offer sacrifices without a temple. So whatever this agreement is, that he now, three and a half years into it, breaks it and stops the animal sacrifices, I can assure you of this. It has to be a temple that will restart Jewish ceremony. Which is what? Animal sacrifices. I'll read it again. <clears throat> the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. It'll be a seven-year treaty. He will break it halfway in. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object. Where? Where? Where do you think he's going to do that? In the temple. He will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. What? That's destruction. Until the fake decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Can I just say, that will be the last straw when he does it. A treaty with Israel for what? To do what? This treaty will make way for the Jews to rebuild the Jerusalem temple after, I believe it's after the rapture of the church. The treaty is for a period of one seven, seven years. In the midst of those seven years, the beast who is a liar is going to break the treaty. He's going to stop the animal sacrifices that had begun. Jesus quotes what I just read from Daniel. Listen, you want to know whether or not you can believe Daniel's writing? Jesus quotes him. And he quotes him 500 years after Daniel died. The Apostle Paul says it too. So both Jesus and Paul recount what Daniel prophesied 500 years in advance. I'm going to read what Jesus says. Matthew 24. Jesus says, the day is coming. What's that tell you right there? It's a future event from when Jesus was here. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. I just read it to you. What is it? The sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where? In the holy place. Where do you think that is? That's in the Jerusalem temple. By the way, well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Then those in Judea, and he says, then I didn't write this in here. Reader, pay attention. <laughs> I used to have my teachers in school say that all the time. Pay attention. 
But why does he put in there, read and pay attention? Because you need to understand this. What? Jesus is quoting the prophecy of Daniel that in the future, there's a person who's going to set up a sacrilegious object that's going to bring the wrath and judgment of God upon the earth. And he'll do it in the temple. Now, it, it, there's more. Then, those in Judea, now, Jerusalem, I want you to picture Jerusalem's this big. Judea's just a little bigger area around Jerusalem. He says, but when that happens, if you, when you're alive, if you're a group of people who are alive, when this happens, those people in Judea must flee to the hills. Run. Why? A person out on the deck or roof must not go down into the house to pack. Why? Run. A person out in the field must not return or even get his coat. Why? Run. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Why? Why? For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. I'm going to tell you what, it's been a whole lot of anguish on the world. Ask those people when Noah sailed off. Then any time since the world began. It'll never be so great again. This is the climax of human civilization. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be as shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. By the way, I believe those chosen ones are a reference specifically to Israel during the tribulation. Reader, pay attention. The dragon wants the throne of God. He inhabits a body of a man, a beast, and he needs the body of a man to set on a physical throne. He needs a man to do it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul says this, He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Jesus and Paul must have talked to each other. The dragon wants the throne. He has the title deed. If you were here last week, he has the title deed, but that's not enough. He wants the throne. But God gave it to Jesus. So there's a problem. This beast will come out of the sea. That's how John describes him in the Revelation. To give you a hint, next week there's another beast that comes out of the earth. He's referred to as the false prophet. Revelation 13. Then I saw a beast rising out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns. And written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and throne and great authority. Who's given the beast all this stuff? The dragon. He gives him what? His own power and throne and authority. He has the title deed of earth, right? He took it from Adam. So he's handing the authority that he tricked Adam out of, he's handing it to this man called the Antichrist. This beast, like the dragon, will persecute and pursue the saints of the Most High. 
And if the church has already departed from the earth, this is a reference to whom? The tribulation saints and the Jews. Daniel 7, 21. As I watched, this horn was waging war against God's holy people. And was what? He's winning. He's defeating them. Until the ancient one. Somebody say hallelujah. He's winning until the ancient one, the Most High, came and judged in favor of the holy people. Then the time arrived for the holy people to take over the kingdom. When's that going to happen? When the ancient one shows up. It's over. The beast is waging war and he is in charge of almost everything. He is in charge of all commerce, buying, selling. In the tribulation, you either bow to this beast or you will die. There's one big problem with that. No, big problem is not a big enough word. There's an eternal problem with that. If you bow to the beast, you are forever lost in hell along with the beast and the dragon. Now here's what's interesting. And no, I don't have time to go into this. I've covered it in past years. Interesting to me, interesting to me, is that we've read in, in the Bible about if you're in the tribulation and you receive the mark of the beast, you're done, right? Don't get the mark. If you get the mark, it's over. You're going to hell with the beast. That mark is his ownership. He's got you. You can't erase it. You're not going to get over it. He's got you. So in the, what are we taught? If you happen to be of any sane mind during the tribulation, what's the last thing you want to get? The mark of the beast. You know what Islam teaches? Some of you do. You know what Islam teaches? That during the tribulation, the only way to survive is to receive the mark. We are not following the same God. He's a liar. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. In Islam, the teaching, they believe, Islam believes there's going to be a seven-year tribulation. And they believe during the seven-year tribulation, you survive by receiving the mark. We've been told that that's the end if you get the mark. Can I stop right now and say this? You better think deeply and decide which God you're going to follow before that moment of truth ever comes to you. Now, I want to read Revelation 3, 13, verse 3 to 10. Hang on, here we go. And I, saw the one, and I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery. He's got seven heads, right? But the fatal wound was healed, and the whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worship the dragon, why? For giving the beast such power, and they also worship the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against the beast? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for how long? Forty-two months. Guess how long that is? Three and a half years. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his temple, those who live in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer, him, conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. So if you think that's just something's going to happen in the Middle East, you're wrong. 
He's got authority over everybody on the earth. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names are not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently. And what do they got to do? What's that last thing? And they got to remain faithful. You think that only applies to tribulation people? You'd be wrong. You better remain faithful before this happens. That last sentence would apply to each one of us tonight. Who is like the beast? He has power. He has signs. He has wonders. Who is like the beast? That's what the world's going to be saying. There's nobody like that beast. And I want you to notice something. He's a counterfeiter. He's a lie. And you can't counterfeit if you've never seen the original. You can't make something look like something that's not there. So I want you to notice something. This was a light bulb moment for me years ago. What I'm describing to you tonight is a reference to the unholy trinity. Let me prove it. God the Father, who is his counterfeit? Satan, the dragon. He pretends to be, he casts himself as God, right? Satan wants to be God. So, Jesus is the Son of God, God made flesh. So who's the counterfeit Jesus? If Satan is the counterfeit God, if the dragon in Revelation is the counterfeit God, who is the counterfeit beast that comes out of the sea? Who is the counterfeit Antichrist? This man that's going to have Satan come into him. The Antichrist is the counterfeit Christ. Well, it gets better. There's a third one. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, right? Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about the third character in the unholy trinity, the beast that comes out of the earth. He's called the false prophet. He is the counterfeit Holy Spirit. They're counterfeits of the original. Satan thinks he's God. The Antichrist thinks he's Jesus. And the false prophet thinks he's the Holy Spirit. You can't make this up. It's incredible. And you know what? Who is like the beast? They're going to worship him. The world who doesn't have the Holy Spirit that reveals truth is going to fall for it. They're going to be deceived. They're going to go for it. And they'll worship him. And because they worship him, they're going to follow him into the gates of hell. Where did the beast get his power? Is he the origin of power? Is he the origin of authority? No. He got his power from the dragon, right? This beast, this man, who's, who's turning the world upside down. He doesn't have any power in himself. His power comes from the dragon. But the dragon, that tells me the dragon does have power. It's not unlimited, but he has power. So what is the truth about this origin of power? Who is the creator? Who is the source of life? And who is the source of power? Which power is true and which power is counterfeit? If there is a counterfeit 
trinity and a real trinity which one's got the real truth and which one's got the real power you better figure that one out because your life and your soul hangs in the balance now i want to go to second thessalonians 2 9 to answer the question this man will come to do the work of satan with what counterfeit power what does that tell you he has to trick you he cannot create something from nothing he can't do it i'll tell you what else he can't do he can't give life he'll make you think he can give you life he's a liar he cannot he does not possess a breath of life that he can give to someone well, that only has one source and if you miss that source you miss life itself this man will come to do the work of satan with counterfeit power counterfeit signs and counterfeit miracles he will use every kind of evil deception why does he got to be a counterfeit why does he got to deceive you why don't he just come out and say hi i'm the dragon why because you wouldn't follow him because you would see that he is not the source of life so he has to trick you he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to what destruction why are they on their way to destruction? By the way, this is not a tribulation event. Why are people today on their way to destruction? Because they refuse to accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe these lies. And then, and then they will be condemned for what? Enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. What lies? What truth? Neither the dragon nor the beast can give life or create life. It's a hoax. They can take life. Do you hear me? And they can only take your life if God allows it. See, I think Satan hates me. I'm convinced he hates my guts. I do. You know, and some days he hates me more than others. But I'm convinced of this. Listen, this, this is important. He cannot kill me unless God lets him. He wants to kill me. I know he does. He wants to shut me up. But the only way he can get to me is if he goes through God. And they, you know, and if God allows him, you know what? Except for the Apostle John, he killed all the other ones. Y'all listening? They died martyrs. God said, you can go get Peter. He told Peter in advance, when you're old, you're going to be a prisoner. And that's how you're going to die. You think, you think God, you think Satan snuck up on Peter? There was a time in which God says, okay, I'm done. Peter, you can come on. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he cannot and he will not until God says, I'm finished. You are protected. If, if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're protected. I draw great comfort from that. L listen, here's the deal. I'm not going to be done until he's done. And when he's done, I'm done. And when we're done, I'll be ready to be done. Remember when the two witnesses lay in the street for three days and all the world under the deception of the dragon and the beasts were celebrating and exchanging gifts like Christmas. Remember we covered that? 
What happened at the end of their celebration? Ooh, I love this part. I love this part. What happened? They're all having parties, exchanging gifts, high-fiving each other while those dead two witnesses. What, what happened? Life happened. Life happened. Satan can't do it. He can't say, well, wait a minute. I'll, no, he can't do it. He can't do it. The dragon can't do it, and the, and, the, and the beast can't do it. And what happened? They're all having a party, and life happens right in front of them. They've got TV cameras on it. They began to breathe the breath of life, and they were raptured up into heaven. Horror came upon the earth when they realized that life doesn't belong to the dragon. Life doesn't belong to the beast that comes out of the sea. Someone once said this about the Antichrist. Take all the sins of the world and press them into one human mold and out will come the man of lawlessness, the ultimate man of sin filled with the origin of sin itself. What does God have planned for this man of lawlessness? The Antichrist, the beast that comes out of the sea. What about the dragon? Do you have to guess? Anybody in the room tonight have to guess what, what's God going to do with the dragon? What's God going to do with the beast? I don't have to guess. I know the truth. Jesus is going to kill that beast that comes out of the sea. He's going to take his life away from him. You know why? Because Jesus is the power of life. And he's going to take the life away from him. The Apostle Paul met Jesus face to face on the Damascus Road. And he was also taken up into the third heaven to see and hear unspeakable things about the future. This part, I'm happy, was not unspeakable. But I'll tell you, this part is unstoppable. Because here's what's coming. And I ask you what I asked you last time. Do you think Satan can read? Do you think he got a copy of the book we call the Bible? 2 Thessalonians 2.8, Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his what? When will he kill him? By the splendor of his what? Coming. His arrival. The beast will have a temporary reign in a temporary kingdom until he, meets, until he meets the eternal king. His name is Jesus. Jesus is going to kill him. But I want you to listen carefully to what that really means. Jesus will destroy the beast just by showing up. He doesn't need a handgun. He doesn't need a rocket launcher. He just got to show up. What does that mean for the beast and what does that mean for other men and women? Jesus is going to kill him. What does it mean? Listen, I, I, I got, it's a serious point. We'll wrap up. What does it mean? What is death? What is death? How do you kill the beast? How do you kill the dragon? What, what does it mean to die? You stop breathing? What does it mean? You're going to be separated from life. What does it mean? What does it mean to be separated from life? Well, that's death. No, no. What does it mean to be separated from life? Well, let's define life. What is life? It's not a thing. It's a person. Where does life come from? God. 
So what is death? You'll be removed from life. You'll be taken out of the presence of life. That's death. What do you think hell is? You're removed from the presence of life. You don't get to experience life. You got to go. You didn't want life? Okay. You don't get it. Go. Now, I want to read that. Because this is how John describes it. And then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there, and its rider was named Faithful and True. And he judges fairly, and he's coming to, re- to make a righteous war. Let there be no doubt why he's coming. He's coming, he's going to kill the beast. I read the whole story a bunch of times. He's coming to kill this beast. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title is the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God the Almighty like juice flying, flowing from a wine press. And on his robe at his thigh was written this title. He is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. Somebody say amen. amen. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. Come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and the riders, and all humanity, both free and slave, great and small. And here he comes, verse 19. He can't hide. He can't hide. And I saw the beast. There he is. Seven years he's been able to roam the earth in power. And I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered to fight against the one who's sitting on the horse and his army. Let's see how that turns out. And the beast was captured. And with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. Miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both, both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive. to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse. And the vultures all gorged themselves on their dead bodies. Whew. Thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfurs. sulfur. Their bodies were killed and they were thrown alive into hell. Who's like the beast now? The beast from the sea, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist is a man. And that man's body will be killed by Jesus at his coming. But that man's soul, listen to me, that man's soul will be cast into the fire of hell. For how long? Who is like the beast now? Revelation 20, verse 10. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur joining the beast and the false prophet. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Who's like the beast now? Do you know the truth about the beast? You do now. What will you do with this truth? I'm curious. We've got two, over 200 people taking this study on Wednesday night. What do you do with this? What do you do with it? 
I met a woman outside of here, though, and she's probably here tonight, so I'll be careful. I met a woman somewhere the other night, and she said, I'm enjoying that study, but you're scaring me to death. And I said, it is not intended to scare you to death. It is intended to motivate you into action. That's what it's supposed to do. It doesn't scare me. It makes me excited. Some of y'all might have noticed. What are you going to do with this truth? The Spirit of Christ is truth, and the Word of God is truth. And truth is here tonight. The Spirit of the Antichrist is also here tonight. And we are living in what the Apostle John calls the last hour. What is truth? What are you going to do with this truth? Because here it is. Listen. The beast is coming. Jesus is coming. They're both coming. They're both coming. You want to stick your head in the sand? Go on. What, what are we going to do? They're both coming. 2 Thessalonians 2 9. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit powers and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they love and accept the truth that would. They refuse. They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they'll believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. So I close with this. What are you going to do with this? You know what? The idea is not to have 200 and something people come in here and study Revelation so you can put this on your shelf at home and say, Woo! That's scary. We are the light of the world. We're the, we're the salt of the earth. We're the preservative holding back the darkness. What are you going to do with it? We're supposed to tell people. We're supposed to tell people. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, enable your church to be the light we were called to be. Set inside of us a fire like it did Jeremiah. It burns in our hearts and our bones. We cannot hold it in. This good news that there is victory over death through Jesus Christ. Enable us, empower us, send us out. Father, give us a sense of urgency equal to the days left, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.